informative, thought-provoking, factually correct. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to This Podcast is None of Those Things, starring Brian and Elliot. Coming to you from the Dirty Dina studio in Pasadena, Texas, here we go. She's an author. He's her fake agent. They're going to embark on an audio journey, and you're invited to come along. Carol Purser is Vastine Bondurant. Brian Henderson is Marty Schwartzman. Dirty Dina Studio presents Vastine and Marty. Welcome back, everybody, to this podcast is none of those things. Over the fence, Vastine and Marty. It is the big crossover event. Brian here, a.k.a. Marty Schwartzman, and I am here with both of my co-hosts from my other sh- from my shows. I've got Ms. Vastine Bondurant, also known as Carol. And I've got Mr. J. Elliot Howard of Elliot Eats fame. How's it going, guys? Oh, and wonderful. Poet. I know him as a poet. Well, yeah. Author and poet. Author and poet. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, we're getting used to which microphones to use. We're to talk. Yeah, well. Uh, <laughs> In our universe, we're all of those things. Indeed. <laughs> so yes, Elliot, one. you are author, you are poet, you are father, you are husband, you are son. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a couple of those things. Well, yeah. son. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, Marty here also really doesn't play up what I intend to advertise for him as he's a DJ. And I don't know if a lot of people realize that. I don't know if a lot of people realize he's a DJ and a very talented one. So it's funny you should mention that. Because today's topic for our big crossover episode is music as part of the creative process. Oh, Oh, Lord. We can go hours on that. Exactly why it's our topic. So for me... Music is the whole creative process. Yes, it is. When it comes to DJing, I listen to songs and I listen to what they sound like or what I can mix together and what parts of songs I like, all of that kind of stuff. That's why I do get kind of, I spend a lot of time thinking about even the music with the podcast and kind of get so deep in the weeds that we just have our theme music (laughs) because... Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, I could be putting music here, music here, music here, music here. And then I'm just like, oh, no, no, now my brain's fried. Like, let's just do the theme music. I hadn't thought about putting music in other places in the podcast. That's a good idea. So a lot of, like, your more dramatic ones, like your true crime ones, they like it for, like, suspense points and stuff like that. Uh Yeah. We're not a real suspenseful bunch around here in, in, in the Dirty Dina studio. And well, living life in Pasadena is suspenseful in and of itself. 
true. Not making fun of Pasadena. Just saying, though. No, it's true. <laughs> well, I mean, and then you could have sound effects for those times when I bomb out, and you could do crickets, and you could do... I mean, there's all sorts of sound effects you could do, especially when I'm talking. I, I, I have definitely thought about sound effects, especially for the, the dad jokes that come out. Oh, who does dad jokes? Well, both of us do, and really, what? Elliot's the only one who has an excuse for it, considering he's the one who's a father. <laughs> yes, I am a dad. Okay, so we kind of got into what, what my thought is with music and the creative process. Real quick, Carol, I know that you use it when you're writing. I can't. You know, that's a good thing, because so many people say they cannot stand to have... How about you, Elliot? So many people say they can't stand to have music or any kind of noise when they're writing, and I can't not have it. Um, I, for me, it, it, it depends. Yeah? It depends. When it comes to some of the poems that are in um, Rewritten Lives, like one when, when in particular... Uh, when the smoke clears, I actually had a Celtic drum cadence that I played during the course of me writing that poem, and it's like I was listening. I was listening to the poem. How did I say? I was listening to the music, and I, and I literally was like, you know what? I could write a poem to this, and then because cause not because not to the rhythm of the music, it was the way the music made me felt the mood of that, like, and because yeah. it made me feel like uh, going to war. Right? And so, hence the title, When the Smoke Clears, after the smoke clears of the battle that you've been through, to be still standing at the end. Yeah. Right? Hence the theme, that was the theme I was going for with the poem, and that's literally what came out. Now, that's not the case for all poems. Sometimes I need to have a quiet place where I just don't want anybody or anything around. But, you know, music, but music can actually, music can set the mood, and, or it can redirect the mood. Right, and music is part of the creative process. I feel is really important to your end. What you were talking about when it comes to some movies and shows with the suspense, well, uh, you know, kind of suspense, but also during the course of a film or a TV show, if they want to go to a different vibe, they'll switch the music. Sure, and they have sometimes music for each character. They yeah. have their own theme. I mean, you know, okay, that character's coming, or you know, they do. I mean, it's super more important than we realize. And. A good example of kind of the whole different mood with music, the second episode of Estine and Marty will have come out before this. So, folks, if you give that a listen, I will be using the second intro that I recorded. Mm -hmm. And I did them both like movie trailers, but the one's got a real jaunty kind of, like a ragtime kind of music. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like real happy peppy. Mm -hmm. And so I did that one as, like, a comedy uh-huh. trailer. Uh-huh. The second one is a little more intense. Uh-huh. And I did that one like a thriller or an action movie trailer. Uh-huh. You know, I did the whole in a world. You know, that yeah. type of thing. That you uh-huh. see in all the movie trailers. Yes, like, that voice. We all know that guy's voice. We know when yes. we hear him. Yes. Well, that's my time. Maybe not Charles, but... The Twilight Zone voice. Oh yeah, well, him. But then there was there was a, there was a guy that was really popular in the late '80s to like the early 2000s. That when a major film was coming out, yes. his voice we knew if we heard his voice. He was knew, movie trailer guy. Yeah, and if we hear his voice, then we knew the movie was going to be good. But if we didn't hear his voice, it was just anybody else. <laughs> like if it was Elliot or Brian talking about 
you, you need to see a movie that's going to reset your life. And people will, look, will hear that and like, yeah, we're not watching that. <laughs> but if yeah. that guy came out and said the exact same thing, it would be entirely different. Because he must have been a highly sought-after narrator, and the really good movies could afford to use him. You know, <laughs> he knew it was going to be a good one, or a well-made one. <laughs> right? So, I mean, in, in DJing, like, you set the mood of an event. Like, I'm not as good at it as I'd like to be, but... I I knew guys that in nightclubs, they could reset the dance floor. Mm-hmm. And you would never know they were doing it until you saw the crowd switch. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of times, you know, they would reset it from, like, a hip-hop crowd to a club crowd. Mm-hmm. They'd play some club music, get, the, get everybody hot and sweaty, switch it over to, like, transition it over to some hip-hop, Get all those club kids over to the bar to be mm. getting drinks. Because in that scene, while your number one goal is to entertain, number one A is to sell booze. Right. So you've got to entertain to make them thirsty. And so cycling the dance floor is a really big deal. And there's some guys who are masters of it. See, I did not know that. Now, mm. me, I'm a wedding DJ. Mm-hmm. I don't care about the bar bill. The couples would probably prefer I just kept people on the dance floor. <laughs> you know, when they get that open bar, you know, they don't they don't want that bill to be, you know, ten grand at the end of the night. Well, you know, the reality <laughs> though is that if you have the music set the right way, then the bride and the groom will uh, get, get liquored up, and they'll need to be because when they get that bill for it, how especially that <laughs> wedding was <laughs> like they were like at least we enjoyed ourselves right for me again it's it's a matter of knowing like the creative process is the music like i said and knowing what the crowd wants and you you kind of learn that on the fly like i know a lot of people will have couples that'll give you a do not playlist that is like everything you would normally play at a wedding. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, we want our wedding to be really unique. And so most of these playlists are good songs, but they are not party songs. Mm -hmm. And so when I see a playlist like this, and I hear that, oh, they want their wedding to be unique, I'm like, no, they want their wedding to be lame. There's a reason the same stuff gets played, because it works. Right. Because people have a good time with stuff like that. Like... Shout. Shout is a 60-year-old song, if not older. And you know what? It works 99% of the time. But, see... People enjoy it. But here's the thing, though. When you said shout, Mm -hmm. you know what came to my mind? Was Tears for Fears. Yeah, I knew it! (laughs) Like, shout, shout, lion on eyes. These are the things (laughs) we can do with... Like, I... Yes, see... I'm a man of a certain age. When you know you you know you're old. Oh, when, I know that even. That's, you know that's, you know you're old when the same with it's the same word used in the you know as a title for for the same thing for a song, not the same song, but a song. And like you have to clear, you have to sit there and clarify. The thing <laughs> is, the his shout Brian's is my generation, right? That's that that that's the first thing I thought of was shout. And then yeah. I forgot. Oh yeah, that one too. Yeah. yeah. And then Disturbed did a great cover of that. They did. Mm-hmm. I see. Very I, didn't, I didn't even know Disturbed did that. 
The Tears for Fears one, not the Isley Brothers. <laughs> but that would be that interesting. That would be interesting. <laughs> that would be interesting. Kind of like when uh, the guy... Disturbed. <clears throat> Take care of that for us. <laughs> kind, of, kind of like when, um, when Everlast came out with a slow acoustic guitar singing. And after years of being with the House of Pain. House of Pain. Right, around. You know, and I was like, wait a second. Who is he? What's he doing? That's not... He's none of those things. <laughs> Elliot's working the gimmick even when we're on an episode. <laughs> like, I mean, he I'm, works the gimmick. He throws that in when we're speaking on the phone. Twenty four seven on it. I He's like it. the Ric Flair of the podcast gimmick. Yeah, it. but I leave the flight attendants alone. <laughs> like, That's like, probably like, for the best. Like, 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 women don't like that. They get just don't just leave them alone. <laughs> so Carol, to give you some backstory, <clears throat> Ric Flair is facing no, we're some. We're gonna do wrestling. No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. He's facing some serious um, <laughs> heat. I'm sorry. For an episode of the Dark Side of the Ring that came out about this incident called the plane ride from hell. Mm. He's kidding, Stephen King and wrestling. <laughs> Well, the reality is, they, but I just want to finish explaining why this makes sense. This is our over the fence life. <laughs> this is our life over the fence. <laughs> By the way, this no, portion hey, should go on the true. video. And, and, I'm recording it right now. It's a late. So, but I was. But go ahead, tell. Go ahead, tell. No, I got my. I got, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's getting verklempt. You got me verklempt. <laughs> You have a captive audience going. <laughs> I know now. Now I can't. Now like I'm clamming up. Now that I have a captive audience. No, seriously, I'm just kidding. So, um, the part of this incident, Ric Flair was walking around in his robe as he Ric Flair does, but he apparently didn't have anything on underneath said robe, and <sighs> apparently was getting grabby and flashy with the flight attendants on the plane ride from hell. So this plane ride was what 30, Wait, he's got 30 years robot ago, on right? Plane ride. Yeah, no, it was like twenty years ago. Ric Flair comes to the ring in a robe with like yeah. feathers and oh yeah, like, I remember yeah. him. Yeah, yeah, okay. So it's that he was the ultimate live the gimmick guy, which mm-hmm. is why he is still working mm-hmm. at seventy some years old because he doesn't have any money because he spends the money as soon as he makes it, living the gimmick, but. But here's, 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 here's the thing, though. For us, and let me switch this. I got to make this point on here. Talk to the microphone. I am, because the fact is... No, you're not. You're looking over here. But he's facing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the, the thing is, is that for us, he was always a dirty old man because he was old when we were kids watching. He was always the oldest wrestler, like, in the thing. So, he's so... For him, the gimmick might have been like young and youthful when he was when he got started in the seventies. By the time that we came up, on he was the already game, wore out. Yeah, he was always the dirty old man to me. Like I was like, whatever you do, when you get to be his age, do not, don't do that, don't do that. Whatever you do, don't do that. Kind of like nowadays, kids don't press send. Like. <laughs> like, don't, don't get in a car with Ric Flair, ladies. No, get in a car with Ric Flair. But that tells like, my age because I remember his younger days. That's right, what yeah. I remember him from. Well, it, yeah, his NWA run. He I was mean, a dirty young man then. Just right. he wasn't this, you know. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
and we and all these stories have now come out about him, what he was like. I mean, well, it's hey, not a good look for. No, nah, I was like for the nature boy. But, but for those of us that have followed him, but for those of us that have followed the nature boy, <laughs> we're not really surprised. No, no, because like there was living No, well, and it's just like it's like man, you you've been portraying a womanizer. Like I don't remember you never not portraying a womanizer. You right. used to come to the ring with like what is this? What ten is women this? on either side. What is this about the, the tie that together? They okay, got so plane ride from hell. so the What's plane ride that? from hell incident was covered up for thirty years, and so it just came what, out. What was it? That he was grabbing and flashing oh. the flight attendants oh, on man. his flight. And so they spoke out during this documentary. At least one of them did. Mm-hmm. And what's crazy is that all kinds of people are getting in trouble for this. Not like, what was his Tommy Dreamer. I didn't even know all the details. So this. apparently he got on there. And in reference to the plane ride from hell and Ric Flair's behavior on it, he was dismissive. He was like, oh, that's just how the boys were back in the, those days. And and so he's been indefinitely suspended from the promotion he works for. Wow. Is, is, is he AEW or is he? He's TNA. Oh, well. Impact. Yeah, yeah well. Impact. I, like, it's not yeah. a good look to be called TNA either. No, it's not like, but they because they, they literally make no impact in wrestling whatsoever. Uh, like, did I say that out loud? Yeah, you, I did, didn't you I? Sure did. Yeah, but, but what, for those non wrestlers, I mean, what does TNA mean? It stands for Total Nonstop Action. Mm-hmm. But T and A. T and A. Okay. Is a whole different thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, so, the, the, no. so they thought. You're saying T and A. So, no, no, no. No. They are T and A. T and Okay. But it sounds like T and A. Yeah. And that's what they were going for when they started up. They started up early 2000s at the very end of the Attitude Era where mm. wrestling was very lewd. Very lewd. But you know what was surprising to me about that was the fact that at the time the TNA got its start, Dixie Carter, a woman, owned it and ran it. And, and, and as such, right? See, and that's one of those things that guys talk about all the time. That confusing double message, like we're not going there. We're not going there. We're not going there. I'm not trying to get canceled. Well, I will at least ask. You mean Dixie Carter, the actress? No, there's another Dixie Carter. Oh, okay. No, 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 no. Are you sure it's not? No, she's not because Dixie Carter, the actress, was 70 years old at the time that TNA got started. This (laughs) woman was. This woman was my age currently. She was like an oil heiress or something. I looked her up one day. Oh, really? Yeah, Yeah, she had oil money and. I guess Jeff Jarrett, old Double J, talked her into uh, starting this promotion. I think, were they based in Nashville originally? Sounds right. Yeah, they were. They were. TNA was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they were. So, wrestling is another place where music is important. Yeah, because every time you hear Hulk Hogan's name. Yeah, you see, I brought it back. I'm in wrestler's hell right now. (laughs) Which is why why I'm bringing it back. Because I know we got off the rails. Like, the sidebar became, like, half the episode. No, that, I'm serious. That was interesting. I mean, I because I, I knew I knew who Ric Flair was, but yeah. I, I didn't know all that. But, so to tie music to wrestling. We hear his thing. Entrance music. Uh-huh. Yeah, you hear that. I can't remember the name of the song. It's a Space Odyssey song. It's right. the Ric Flair theme. It's, you know, it's... 
you wouldn't be that interested in it except that you associate it with him. Right. Yeah. Kind of like Macho Man Randy Savage's pomp and circumstance. Right, exactly. That's like, you would, you, you, and technically, when you hear pomp and circumstance, you think, you think graduation. graduation. But if you're a certain age, you think graduation or Macho Man. And if Macho Man isn't, if you're like if you're just hearing it out about, you don't know which is which. Now Macho Man is dead, so it's back to odds are good. You're back to a graduation. graduation, yeah. But for about thirty years, it was that. Oh yeah, absolutely. You hear glass break. Oh yeah, Stone Cold. Cold. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's interesting because I, you know, that I've been reading this week about you know a brand, and I mean mm-hmm. that is what that is. Yes, I mean, absolutely. I. I, I I guess I remember the days when they did have their own entrance music, mm-hmm. and that is their brand. That's what that is. Absolutely. And, and like you said, you you just said it. You hear glass break, and that that's that's pretty powerful. Actually, if you yeah. think about it. I mean, even that's what branding is all about. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and and you see it when you know characters when they change character, they change the music. They change their music when they change alignment, whether they're a good guy or a bad guy. They sometimes it. they'll change their music. Mm-hmm. That's why the guys like are the most popular are the ones that like they they run middle of the road, so they're not really really good and not really bad. So, so what kind of music would they have? Well, like we'll take Randy Orton for a second. I knew or you knew you were going like, with this. No, well Stone Stone Cold too. Randy Orton, Stone oh, yeah. Cold, they're both tweeners. Both were like in between, and they, you know, they didn't have to switch, right? But Hogan, Hulk Hogan, on the other hand, everyone like he was the good guy. He was a real American, but then. <laughs> When he became the villain, he was uh, Jimi Hendrix's voodoo child. So he, so even Hulk Hogan changed. Yes. Oh yeah. yeah Hulk Hogan changed a couple times. I yeah. didn't know that. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Seriously, I mean, I don't watch it enough. I mean, but it's funny that even people like me who don't watch wrestling know these people anyway. Yeah. So that's pretty strong branding. Oh, it's absolutely you know, it's insane it really branding. Mm-hmm. It really is. Um, I know. Um, what the heck is the name of the band that does called a personality? Um, Living Color. Yes. Um, I They've got to be thanking CM Punk for keeping their song relative, relevant right. for 20 years longer than it probably would have been. Right, because like, I really had no idea who they were. <laughs> Literally, I had no idea. The song was good, but it became iconic when he it was his it entrance music. Yeah. Obviously, we've established music is important to branding, which may lead to a new theme music for... Uh, um, this podcast is none of those things, but I'm really attached to that as the brand. I mean, but that's I'm fine with that actually. The, like the because it fits for that. <laughs> yeah. Basically, when the um, when the, the last um, the episode episode before the L East that we did, what said I did yesterday, um, was at the uh, was at the burger joint before. It was it was with uh, yeah. it was with me and Brian. We were there, and really we had talked about. Going up into it, trying to make sure there's this establishment that Ellie East is actually a part of the um, this podcast, none of those things universe. So, the burger joint one was you know, it was key because like this was the first one after the um, lockdown and after you know, things finally yeah. started opening up and all that, right? And so, it was important that for that episode. It because was the theme of this podcast is none of those things, right? Because it was like okay, so because that's how he was like okay, it's there, it's part where it's a part of it, all of that, right? So when you when if the people listen to this podcast is none of those things, watch it on watch the episode on 
Instagram on this that those or this podcast those those things YouTube channel they and they see that episode they will like they'll that get the tie in right there right there yeah. that thing right but then when Elliot Eats came out yesterday you know and it was like okay now it's 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 still part of the universe but it has its own theme song then there you go it says that that sends that message in there with that go along with that tie in. No, speaking of that, I thought about your movie night. That's got I, I thought of a million things that could have. Right. Seriously. <clears throat> and I am thinking about doing a whole separate intro. I didn't mean to, no, I mean it's exciting thinking about mm-hmm. because you know, you don't want to change something. That's no you know, you don't. So Kinda like when when Ford had a long they for the longest time they were the ones were they the ones that said lack of rock? No, that was Chevy. Chevy. <laughs> Chevy. All right. But 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 like yeah. they were they were, they were with that they ran with that theme for the like one with a, Bob Seeger, yeah. Yes. Right and like and I knew who Bob Seger was like yeah. I, that's I, right. Okay, that's <laughs> right. Yeah. And um, then one of them went with um, Mellencamp, Saint Ted American. I don't know who that is. It was it's Little Pink Houses. Is the name of the song? I can't remember. They've all been using all these classic rock guys. Mm-hmm. And that's helped my era of music to stay. Oh yeah, alive stays, forever. And and yeah. bands. Bands. Yeah. It used to be, it used to be that bands considered their music being in a commercial as selling out. Mm-hmm. Now it's the first step of to success, mm-hmm. and you and they can and and you can thank Apple for that. Right. Apple did a really good job of putting together commercials with lesser known bands and making those songs famous. Right. Like and it made it cool to have your song on a commercial. Right. And I think that's that's interesting. It's it's cool, and we've gone off the rails because I wanted to talk about. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it back around because Carol, I find your music tastes and what inspires you writing interesting because now you write historical fiction and your era is like the twenties, thirties. Yeah. Would you say you go like twenties to fifties? It depends <clears throat> on the scene. Well, no, no, I mean for like okay. eras you're looking to write. Oh, you mean the era that I write? Okay, I'll let you on music. Um, no, yeah, pretty much. I've got some that's even in the 60s. Okay, yeah. And really not, this one I'm doing right now starts in the 20s, but mm-hmm. it's kind of, will go in through maybe the 40s. And right. It depends if there's a third book, it depends. Right. I'll write any era if I know about it, you know. I have to know about it, though. So what I, I found interesting, though, is when you tell me about the music and you post on Facebook, like, what you're listening to yeah. while you're writing, <laughs> uh-huh. it's almost never music from that era. It's, like, a lot of classical music or, you know, we talked about it in the in the episode two of Vastina Marty. You broke your writer's block listening to Don't Cry For Me, Argentina. Yeah, what it had to do with the story like, absolutely nothing. <laughs> you know, but it's like it's had the, it, like we were talking earlier, it's the mood. Right. You're looking for a mood. It, the mood, it, and it's not even like, okay, this song, it's just it's just the other way around. You're in a mood, and you just, you know, and then you hear the song, and that's it. That's the mood. You know, it, it, you want to either cry or laugh, but it can be just the opposite, because there was a scene that you had read that was extremely kind of violent. <laughs> you remember? Um, oh yeah! Introduce this character. Well, that music actually the whole thing was done with a super happy-go-lucky uh, 
Pavarotti Buongiorno. It's a morning song. Like, good morning. Uh-huh. It was a real happy, cheerful little song, but it seemed to go just the opposite. That feels very of Tarantino mood, of you, like you know, a jaunty a, little tune over an incredibly violent scene. Like, kind of, you talk about kind of like how the end of the Freddy Krueger movies, you know, they think that everything is all nice and easy and then the villain has yeah. been conquered and you're feeling like hearing the flutes and the violins and then all of a sudden you see Freddy Krueger's hand come Sorry. right through the chest. <laughs> like, exactly. And it's like, well, I know I've told you a million times that scene from uh, The Last of the Mohicans where it's just this horrible dramatic scene I mean, where they're following and then the Monroe girl throws herself off a cliff because the Indian, her, her boy, you know, her lover, he throws himself, no, he gets killed. He gets thrown over the cliff, his body just dumped, and she just falls over herself. The whole scene is, is called the promontory, and it's just, it's like an Irish jig. Yeah. And it's like the most offsetting thing to this violent scene. But the music is so, you know, Celtic and it's, or is it Celtic? Celtic. Celtic. <laughs> it's, it's Celtic when it's the culture and Celtic when it's the basketball team. <laughs> See, I was wondering. <laughs> Damn, Dan, they get us confused. <laughs> but I will tell you this much. In, in I the, think it's because people from Boston are a little intelligently challenged. Oh, yeah. I'm not so Shots sure. fired at Boston. I haven't, but, but that being said, though, um, I don't even hate Boston. <laughs> I mean, they, they have good clam chowder, and the Boston baked beans are killer. I have friends in Boston. Please watch what y'all are saying. <laughs> I, mean, I, have to, I have to have a, have a, have a debate, a running debate discussion, find somebody from New York and someone from Boston, and have a discussion about who makes the best bagels. I've not been to either town. I've never been to either town. I just like to have that discussion. I don't know if Boston cares that much about bagels. Well, oh, I, I, I would love to have Philly might. I would, well, they I have, the, but they have the cream. They have the New cream York cheese. Are good. They have they have oh. a, they have the cream cheese though. You know? Why do you think but, they made the cream cheese? Yeah, because to I was put thinking, it on the bagels. Right, exactly. <laughs> but you know, but here's the thing. But tying it into you know with the whole music and the theme and all that, I mean, it's interesting how the discussion about the um, the sports that was that that was a thing. In fact, one of the interesting things that Kareem Abdul Jabbar had brought up um, when the because uh, they were back in the forties. 30s and 40s, there was before, before there became the NBA. There were other there were professional leagues throughout the country, and in Harlem, there were um, what made them different. The leagues that were around the Harlem, New York area was that they actually because they played in like the Cotton Club and some other these other which, which, venues that were supposed to be for music and clubs and dancing and all that, right? And so because they were playing there, what they would do is they would. At halftime, we take it for granted now, but they would play music between the quarters, and they played music at halftime to entertain the crowd while the teams were taking a break and all that, right? Mm. And it wasn't until like years later, so when the NBA and the NFL and all them when those the would come up and were were going on, they they didn't have that initially, but they amalgamated that as part of their process, as part of their presentation to the fans, they entertained the fans, you know, as the leagues as those leagues developed in well like I said the NBA didn't exist then but when the NBA did ultimately come into existence for the first few years they didn't have that then they saw what was going on with some of the I mean if you look at sports all sports leagues now music is a huge part of the experience it is the only one I would say it's not during the event is NASCAR well golf yeah golf too yeah and tennis Um, tennis between between points and stuff they'll play music really but na- the reason I say NASCAR, yes, you're right about golf because they want it quiet. 
Yeah. NASCAR, you're not hearing the music. No, when all no. those when all those race cars fire up. No, no. Yeah, right. <laughs> but Elliot mentioned something. Speaking of music, he said Harlem. Now, when you hear the theme song, the uh, the Globetrotters. Yeah. That is that. Is it Sweet Georgia Brown? I think. Yeah. Would you ever yeah. ever hear that anymore the rest of your life without thinking? And not them? see somebody spinning a basketball on their finger? Exactly. Absolutely not. No. And then they, they was I mean, they, music they, matters so much on stuff like that. And, Carol, there was another song I was going to mention with your writing. Yeah. And that was uh, Finucule, Finucule. <laughs> oh, don't even go into that because you had the most weird thought about what it was going to be in the story. And Elliot, I think you can tell from my motion where I was going with that. <laughs> the type of scene it was attached to. It was so totally different. I don't know what he thought was using it for. It was so totally different. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, y'all right though. Because even in sports, mm-hmm. now that you mentioned it, I bet there a lot of people, especially young people, probably think "Sweet Georgia Brown" was written for them. I mean, that's where right? it came from. You know, it's it's just so, you know. So, I want to I want to kind of wrap this up with one last thought. Mm-hmm. So, Carol, you tend toward the classical or kind of big band type of stuff to get your juices flowing, your creative juices flowing. Mm-hmm. Elliot, when you're when you're uh, when you're needing music to write or to to do something creatively, you mm-hmm. know, what what kind are you tending to? Or is it very specific? I like um, instrumental. I don't want I don't want words. I mean I do appreciate I it. Agree, I, I, I do I, I can I can appreciate yeah. the sing songy with you know the singers and all that and their talent and all. But what I want the words to come out of me to be my own, I don't have somebody that in my head because I don't want that in my head. And um, the only time I play music with someone that's singing is like when I want to zone out. And my mind is like, okay, I'm not going to think about this song. It's just I try to just paint a picture or I don't want to think about anything. Then, yes, I'm listening to, you know, you name the artist. And my mind is just like, and if you try to ask me, like, if you snap me out of it, do you gotta ask me something? And you ask me what's in my mind, I'm like and I seem like I don't know what you're talking about because I turned my mind off. I had literally turned it off. Right. Right. And but if you want to catch me the most engaged, have uh, some instrumental on. It could be classic or it could be modern day. I am not really particular. You know, but I, but that's why I do. He brought up a good point though, because to me, okay, I could hear maybe you have to figure half the things I'm listening to are Italian, so I don't know what they're saying anyway. To me, they're just boring. However, I can picture now if you're there's something different between writing a story and writing poetry because poetry is like lyrics. So you're listening to somebody else's lyrics and trying to write your own, and yeah, that would be like yeah, poetry. that'd be a struggle. I couldn't do it. I don't think I could. Yeah. I see that's a big difference. Yeah, and now like like I've already said, for me, the music is the creative element. Mm-hmm. So I I can do it both ways. I I have to be listening to music a lot, like when I'm working. You know, I work in a lab, and when I'm working in the lab, I have music on, and it helps kind of get through. But even like studying or something, mm-hmm. like if I'm trying to to read something and understand it, for some reason, music does better, and I I like like kind of. I like alternative stuff for that. Mm. Not necessarily particularly hard. Mm. 
but just kind of different, interesting mm-hmm. type of stuff. For top 40, I'm thinking too much about DJing. Mm-hmm. Classic rock, I know all the songs too well. I'm going to sing along. Mm-hmm. A lot of alternative stuff and like kind of indie rock and stuff like that that can be ephemeral yet still have crunchy guitar involved. Mm-hmm. That stuff seems to be my best for focusing on something else but still hearing the music. Have you tried bluegrass? Bluegrass, I think, would be too much. I, I, I like and appreciate bluegrass, mm-hmm. but I think that pace mm-hmm. of the banjo picking, mm-hmm. it would be far too distracting for me. Like, my heart rate would be going, like, a thousand beats per minute just listening to that and tapping along. Like, <laughs> That is you my know. fantasy, though. My dream is to play the banjo. But, you know, and I will say this about me when it comes to that. Like, and it's, I do like bluegrass. Not a lot of people know that, but it, it, and I don't think even you did. But the reason why, like, like, I don't listen to it all the time. But You like to claim hillbilly, so I'm not surprised. Yeah, yeah for real. Shame like, on you. Yeah, but the thing is, is that, like, being like... Uh, no lies were told. No, there's just there's no, there's no, <laughs> lies, no, no lies were told in that whatsoever. <laughs> But the, the thing, the thing is, is that um, because of this, this is where having grown up playing saxophone and playing piano and being part of a cappella group, they like I will listen to blue, bluegrass is entertaining for my mind because I'm picking out the, the, the different instruments that I'm hearing and how the and wondering how they're doing the run. Like I said, again, horrible for me to to listen to when I'm trying to write poetry, but perfect when I'm trying to relax because my mind is like. Trying to pick and see what's this. Gives you something else to focus on yeah. besides what you're, what may be bugging you on a particular day. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. And I think we can all agree that this was a fun episode to do. And that music is super important in everything. So all you musical artists, including friend of the show, Iris, hey, go Iris. check Iris out. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep putting out that music every Tuesday. We love it. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening to this special crossover edition. This podcast is Vastine and Marty over the fence, none of those things. All of them together. We will do these every once in a while, and these will be released on both platforms. But make sure that you check out Vastine and Marty, currently on Spotify and Anchor.fm. And check out this podcast is none of those things. Hear us on Apple, Amazon, Audible, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor. And check out both podcasts, Facebook pages. This podcast is none of those things. And Vasquez and Marty. Check out this podcast is none of those things on Instagram at this.those. There it is, right there. Check us out on Twitter at this underscore those. I think that's all our social media, right? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Then we've got Vastine Bonder on, on Twitter, at Vastine B. And I think that's all we got, guys. Check us out on YouTube. Email us. Leave comments on the Facebook. Tell us about how music got into your life. What you do with music. Thank you very much, everybody. And we'll see you next time.